we are rolling now. Counting us down. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey there, Misketeers. Welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, music, television, spoken word, books, experiences, things that have built us up as people. And we hope that in sharing it, it builds you up. We are the retrospective that is introspective. Tari J is here to chew bubblegum and slay podcast intros, and he is all out of bubblegum. That's true. Uh, it's bad for you, so I threw it all away. Oh, boy. Uh, it was telling me weird things. Every time I chewed it, it was like, consume. And I was like, I can't swallow you. Mine just screamed a lot. Oh, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Um, so, yes, today we're talking about the 1988 John Carpenter film, They Live, starring Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith Davis. Hell yeah. Um, if you are unfamiliar with this movie, uh, it's a it's a satirical not it's not even a comedy, it's like a satirical sci-fi flick um about a, a secret alien invasion, but not secret invasion as told in the Marvel comics. That's true. Yeah. Um, so Lex, you brought this in. I did. What, uh, why don't you, uh, go on and pitch this to me? All right. Well, first of all, happy 2020. Oh yes. Happy 2020. I mean, I mean, I've probably said that yesterday, but like, whatever. Happy 2020. Not everybody was here yesterday. That's true. That's true. If you're joining us for the first time in this new year, uh, happy new year. We're still here. Wild. So here in 2020, John Carpenter's They Live from 1988 feels tragically as relevant as it ever has. Uh, John Carpenter has talked about how this movie was in large part his response to the Reaganomics wave of the 80s and how in his estimation, and he's, he's talked about this more recently, in a way the 80s never ended, in a way we're still living it. And if you look around now in modern America 2020, you sort of see what Carpenter depicts here come to fruition in a great many ways this this movie yes despite being about a literal alien invasion bears shocking resemblance to the practices of of many of those amongst us and in our modern era it does seem like more and more people are uh, getting the sunglasses if you will right everybody through one means or another it's like the veil the scales are starting to fall from our eyes and we're starting to see a little bit more clearly how all of these strings are being pulled who is responsible and how we are all sort of uh, victim to this this massive, call it a global conspiracy and stuff. Uh, also, Carpenter made it for, it, like, it looks like the thing cost about 30 bucks. It's really stripped down and really fun to watch these actors play these scenarios without big budget special effects. You have some really cool gnarly ghoul makeup and stuff. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's, like you say, it's not really a comedy. It's funny, but it's not really a comedy. It's a pretty straightforward satirical sci-fi narrative right and it has a lot to say about what what was going on in the country then and the way things are going and it says a lot about where things are now and the way things have gone 
uh, I want to get your take on They Live because you had never seen it. Right. You you were familiar with memes, essentially, like uh, the maybe the the ghoul as as a gif, or maybe the Shepard Fairey artwork, which was heavily influenced by this movie, the Obey. Got it. Um, I had never seen the Shepard Fairey artwork. Um, here are the two main ways that I had connected to, or I had known of They Live without even knowing what they live was um yes the the image of the the ghouls like the glasses showing the ghouls um was very memeified and so i've seen that in assorted things um and also uh, south park did a uh like a almost not frame for frame but like a a, a reenact re- reenactment of the long fight in this movie uh in their episode cripple fight yes um, so that was the first time I had ever heard of They Live. I had forgotten about it. Um, and then, like, I think every time I saw the images, I was like, is that... I, I think my brain was like, oh, it's, it's a Twilight Zone episode or something. Right. Um, because it feels like that. Very much so. It does, in, in many ways, feel like a feature-length... Well, feature-length episode of television, I guess, due to its very low budget. Right. But, um, but yeah. And then when you introduced it to me, uh, I was like, oh... I've tangentially heard of it, never known the name. Right. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was interesting. I think that like, uh, and we'll go very deep into to my thoughts about a lot of the individual pieces, but um, I thought that it uh, has a very like 80 sensibility. I think it, it definitely captures this feeling, like especially because a lot of the the beginning takes place in like homeless communities. It really tr- goes out of its way to capture like the desolate state of the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like it really uh, at some point turns into an action movie. There are like sprinkles of action movie where like, it feels like Rowdy Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper is in a different movie for like a few sequences, like the bank sequence um, I'm like, he's just, he's doing things. He's yeah. He, going he walks it. into the bank and suddenly he's in an action movie. Right. Right. Um, so those, those were interesting moments. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely see why you would bring this in, in their current climate. And I definitely understand the connection and there's a, a direct line to be drawn between the two. Um, so that's, so yeah, so that's my take without giving away anything really. Yeah. It does. Uh, it's a movie that's endured in large part. And it didn't perform very well commercially upon its initial release, but it's become you know widely hailed. It's a very beloved cult movie. Um, big part of that reason is it it continues to be very unsettlingly relevant. Right, it's, and it's sort of depressing, isn't it? How accurately filmmakers, storytellers like John Carpenter in the eighties, decades before today, were able to so accurately forecast the direction in which things were going. I mean, it's because, well, it's because the people who, like, were in the midst of that are still in power at this, like, it's not that long between when this movie came out and today. Like, it's about 30 years or so. Right. Um, But that's not long in the grand scheme. Like, the people who are, like, people who were in the Supreme Court then are still there. People who uh, benefited from uh, Reaganomics uh, built their fortunes and found their way into modern politics using said money to influence it. So like, it's all 
tied in. Yes, exactly. That is true. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like we can't really go much farther without spoiling a lot of it. And so I think that it would behoove people to go in as uh, knowing as little as possible. I, I'm almost bummed out that I knew what the secret was before going in. Cause like the whole first 30 minutes is it's just there to unsettle you. Yes. Um, and then you know that like, ah, there are the, you know, there's glasses and there's ghouls. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but, uh, I think it would behoove you to go in knowing as little about how and when and why. Yeah. If you, uh, if you're fortunate enough to still, have no frame of reference for they live yeah absolutely i think that would be a really fun way to experience it yeah so i think it's time to drop down that spoiler wall as usual i will give you the chance to jump out if you yourself have not seen it and want to go in clean it's available on amazon and google play store i think you can also rent it through the youtube's youtube rental system you also, and, and since you all know I'm a big proponent of physical media, uh, Shout Factory slash Scream Factory put out a collector's edition of it. It's got the reversible artwork that people love that they do. It's got a commentary by John Carpenter and Roddy Piper, and it's got a bunch of interview stuff on it, too. Uh, that's how I watched it. I got that for Christmas. Hooray nice. for me. Merry Christmas pat, to you. Pat on the back for my purchase. Hell I yeah. I bought a thing. Ooh. Consume. Obey. Yeah. No individual thought. Uh, all right. So now that we've dropped down the spoiler wall, we'll be back with a full discussion right after this. And we're back. All right. So now that the spoiler wall is down, um, a brief synopsis, just in case it's been a while since you've seen it. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Popper. Roddy Robert. It's really hard to say his name. Rowdy Roddy Piper. He's a wanderer. Yes. He's a uh, he came from Denver, Colorado. All the all the factories went down and then he comes to California and he's like, "Yo baby, give me some work." Cuz everyone's losing work. All the factories are going uh foreign or overseas and everyone's losing their jobs. The homelessness is on the rise. The middle class is evaporating and the gap between or I guess yeah, it's evaporating and the gap between the the rich and the poor is getting ever increasing uh and so he finds a job with this construction company and one of his one of the, his pals that he made there takes him to this homeless homeless col- commune and they're like yo hey you're welcome here and he's like dope and then while they're watching tv there's some weird interference. And it turns out that there's an underground resistance right next door. And the underground resistance is trying to expose this threat. And then he, uh, then the, ran, the, the homeless commune gets ransacked. And he finds the glasses and he's like, what the heck? And he puts them on and oh shit. There are ghouls. There are people, secret aliens around. Oh, damn. Everything, every every billboard, every magazine, everywhere you go, there is secret, subliminal messages. Things like obey, consume, marry, and reproduce. Uh, what else we got? Um, don't, don't, don't shit. <laughs> um, 
uh, I think, uh, yeah, no individual thought, stuff like that. Yes. Um, and then he gets found out because he's got no chill. And he's like, you're ugly. And they're like, oh, okay, he can see us. I get it. He's, 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 he's not a spy. He's just dumb. And so then he has to go on the run, baby. And then he has like a 60-minute fight with Keith David because Keith David doesn't want to get involved. He's like, yo, I got a wife and kids. I'm just trying to live, bruh. And he's like, no, see what I see. <laughs> um, even though earlier in the movie he had expressed that he doesn't understand what it's like to be not him. Uh, he's like, no, you got to see it. You got to be part of this. Um, and then he and Keith David go on to try to take down this alien threat uh, with the help of the resistance who also gets wiped out. Um, but ultimately they succeed. Yeah, they, they do not survive, but ultimately they are successful. They sacrifice themselves for uh, the rest of us. Yeah. Nice couple of guys. Totally. I do wish that uh, Keith David did not get involved because he had a wife and kids. He was doing just fine, making a living, and he he died because Roddy Piper was like, yo, this girl I met one time who threw me out a window, she's got, I got to save her. <laughs> I wanted to put my, put my, put my dick in, and uh, I'm hoping that when we're done with this, I can do that. And uh, it turns out that she was a traitor. Yes. She was a traitor the whole time. She was collaborating. she murdered to death. Uh, Keith David. Yep. Unceremoniously. It doesn't even see it coming. Just like real casual, like puts a gun to his head and then pff, like screen flashes white. Yeah. Yep. He's gone. Um, it was such a bummer. He, he got beat up for nothing. Well, actually, I think he won that fight. Uh, ultimately, I think he, he, he won that fight. Yeah. Um, if it had kept going, totally. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Like, if he hadn't gotten thrown into the car. Right. Right. So, I mean, but, like, all of that for nothing. He, they, they, they brought him in, the youngest Keith David I've ever seen. Yeah? And, yes. Have you not seen The Thing? No. Oh, okay. We got to talk about The Thing at some point. That's when uh, John, Carp John Carpenter worked with him prior to this. Right. Um, and he's like, look at me. I'm handsome. I got things to lose. I'm a black man in America. Shit's hard. And then Ryder Popper, Ryder, Ryder Popper's like, hey, hey, you know, why don't you look on the bright side? And he's like, bitch, <laughs> shit's hard. Yes. Okay? Like, you don't know. You don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know my life. I was rooting for you. Anyways. Uh, but you notice, right? You notice how effectively the machinations of our alien invaders have us turning on each other over bullshit. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Or Roddy Piper's character is a, is a putz. Yep. He's just a fucking putz. I, I do not think these things are binary. I think both can be true simultaneously. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> He's a putz. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I did like their their very fast friendship mm -hmm. uh like we get uh we get keith david initially reaching out to roddy piper and and saying like hey i have a place that you could stay and roddy piper's really like standoffish to him and then they he like follows him for a while and then they have this like cute exchange where he's like i don't like people following me and roddy piper's like I don't like to follow people. I don't know where they're going. And so then they smile at each other. And in my mind, they kissed afterwards. Okay. Um, I just like to that. seal the deal. Okay. You know, not yeah. like a, not like a romantic kiss, just like a, like a, 
old fashioned, like maybe like a French smooch. You know what I'm saying? I think so. Yeah. You I know think what I'm I know saying. what you're getting. I like it and I want the fan art. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like that fast friendship. I also like that everyone in this commune has their own thing going on. And that's something that Roddy Piper specifically, when I was reading about some things he had said about the movie he, that uh, he felt like rang true. I guess he had spent some time living on the streets for a while. He, yeah, he, he grew up a little bit, a little bit rough. Yeah. Like on the commentary track, uh, there's a scene where uh, Nada, like his character's man with no name type, but he's referred to as Nada, which means nothing. Right. Um, where he's dumpster diving. Essentially, he's like looking for the the sunglasses. Yeah. And on the commentary track, Roddy Piper's just like dumpster diving. I thought I stopped that when I was 12. <laughs> it's like, oh, bro. I mean, look, we, we, you know, people grow up rough shot. I mean, he... Came out really well. Yeah. Good on him. And I'm glad that he could bring that to this role. Yes. Like, you can definitely feel his emotions about what's going on. Like, he was talking about the scene where they bulldoze over the community. And he was like, that scene was really hard for me because, like, I've seen that in person. Mm -hmm. Like, that's something I've experienced firsthand. And you can really feel it. Yes, absolutely. There's a... There's a weird like a, a very peculiar sort of authenticity to his performance because i think a lot of people everything in this movie is incredibly heightened uh, up to and including the performances i actually feel like keith david is the most grounded element of this movie and i feel like in large part he's the element that makes everything else work i think without keith david it all just feels like weird untethered nonsense right um and that that extends to most of the performances and i think a lot of people might be inclined to look at the surface of They Live and say, oh, well, the acting in it is is bad. And I do agree the acting is a little bit ridiculous in places. But Roddy Piper has this very peculiar, I say peculiar, more unique, I guess. Unique is more apt description. Um, very unique sort of authenticity. It's a performance that doesn't quite feel like most other leading men performances you've seen. Yeah. But it feels honest yeah you know what i mean like it always feels honest and it makes perfect sense that it does because as you say like it's it's informed directly by his personal experience and the other thing that he brings to this role uh, in particular is this physicality and also he's a professional wrestler mm -hmm. world champion professional wrestler so he's also able to bring not just the physicality but also the the sort of fighting skills right and then casting keith david again you needed somebody that could actually do that fight with him right and survive essentially like look believable up against that guy but it it's it's something that he in particular was able to bring to it that if you cast you know you take your a-list leading men and you're not going to get those elements you're not going to get the guy that grew up that way you're not going to get the guy that's that naturally big and theatrical you know like professional yeah. wrestling performances are always so huge and stuff you have to create this massive persona um combining it with that truth right like you get something that's very that's very unique and feels weird but it feels weird just because you're not used to it not because there's anything that isn't working about it right yeah um speaking of his body um i guess there had been rumors that uh people thought that his his face was superimposed on another man's body because <laughs> they were like rotting piper's not that ripped that's dumb. Right. And so he, like, and people would go to his shows after that and be like, what is your fake body? And it's like, that's, I'm a wrestler. Like, I, 
I work out for a living. Like, what's up, dude? <laughs> well, I, we weren't, we're, I don't think we were quite there yet, technologically. No, we were not. I don't believe so. I remember in the, like the Star Wars prequels, which were quite a few years after this, some of the digital face stuff looked a little wonky. Yeah. It's not, yeah, we weren't, we, we were not in deep fake territory at that point. Although it would be very much in keeping with the themes of the movie if secretly we were the entire time. I mean, maybe. Like there is no Roddy Piper or John Carpenter. Right. Yeah. Um, speaking of external conflicts slash um, controversies, um, there was also a, a big thing that John Carpenter himself had to come out on Twitter and make big speeches about because oh the Nazis yeah yes so Nazis or neo Nazis <laughs> as we call them or the alt right as we call them uh, they like to ruin things as they do they keep trying they, to they say they're reclaiming things but they're they're not they're trying to claim right. them yes they are Columbusing a bunch of different things uh, and, yeah it's that that's it it works you're it's mixing real. your you're mixing your genociders no. I'm not because <laughs> uh, they corrupt it. They, they, in the, in it, for their own means and some, and in their own communities, they're heralded as heroes, but they're not. They're really a lot like the, the ghouls, the aliens in this movie. Yeah. As a matter of fact. Um, but the, the neo-Nazis at some point were like, yo, Carpenter, he wanted this to be about the Jews. The Jews look just like us, and yet they're running the country secretly. Oh, boy. We're gross. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and, of course, John Carpenter had to take, uh, like, it's so silly that he has to respond to something like this, but he took to Twitter to say, fucking stop it. Right. No. Uh, yeah, it's, it's insane, but you can't have nice things, you know? Uh, the frog character used to be a nice thing. The okay symbol, you you could just do it and people would be like, oh, things are going to be okay. And now it's like, white supremacy! Here's the cheat sheet, because right, like, they, keep, they keep trying to reclaim Star Wars as well. Quote, unquote, reclaim Star Wars, right? Which has never been on the right flank of anything. But here's your, here's your cheat sheet. I would say the last bit of like widely known entertainment that is on the side of these people is probably what triumph of the will. That was a while ago. My that guess, was. Yeah. I mean that and uh, Alex Jones program, but I mean like big, you know, big widely seen pieces of entertainment, not like fringe. Oh, sorry. I mean, little, Fox news. You mean, uh, closer, closer <laughs> for sure. I, uh, uh, but, but seriously, the, but my point is no, no, none of this belongs to those people. If right. you hear them saying, this is ours, it means this thing that we... Th if you hear people say things like, they live is about the Jewish conspiracy to dominate the globe, it's not. Right. You know it's not. You know it never was. And you know these people are, are acting in bad faith because the, the, no examination of the text supports that reading. Right. So... Um, Use that across the board for any piece of media. <laughs> any time. I'm not even joking. Like it's, I guess it's funny, but I seriously... Your cheat sheet is Triumph of the Will was the last time that somebody made a big budget thing for them in any explicit way. Right. That I remember on Twitter, they're like, this, Transformers, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> somebody, I'm sure, could come up with another example, but my point still stands. Right. Exactly. Um, 
so that was a, a fun little thing as recently as 2017. Yep. Um, but so let's kind of talk about the aliens plan a little bit. So from what we get at the, about the, I don't know, hour and 10 mark, hour 20 minute mark, we get a real breakdown of like what these aliens do. And they apparently go from planet to planet and they like secretly like disguise themselves and they put out a signal that makes them look like the, the, the native population. And then they start subtly convincing the, the population themselves to be more complacent and all the while uh, those who agree to be on their side, they boost up to the top ranks. So then they have control of anyone in the top uh, portion of the society and then they subdue anyone in the bottom portion. But, but Tari, what happens in the movie? Ha ha. Ha ha ha. You see, you see what I fucking did? Uh, I did. You, uh, you, you, you got it. You uh, did it. It's like a, it's like a nice skin cream. It's topical. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh boy. Oh shit. I'm retire. I'm going out on top. Retiring today. Oh, right. oh and what? I have, I have four legs. <laughs> oh, he left. Okay. Well, I guess I'm hosting this by myself. Um, yeah, I uh, I really thought that the aliens' plan was really interesting. I also think it's interesting that they are bipedal and look like humans, because uh, that I think really helps their case. I read that John Carpenter wanted them to be to look like essentially rotting corpses. Yes, because they are. Oh, hey, wh- where did you come from? Oh, I-, I heard you talking about the movie some more, so I. I got it. Oh, oh man, um, that's I got so surprised, my heart's leaping in my chest. Yeah, I, I in no way abandoned the bit. I, oh. I definitely crept back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when from my perspective, his head just slowly popped up, and he went, "Yeah." Uh, but yeah, he uh, he wanted them to look like rotting corpses because they are in effect a a um, an allegory for like corrupted humans. Yes, very much so. Um, and also, uh, the stunt coordinator played pretty much every single one of them. Which is weird, because we get scenes where they're like a bunch of them. In a, like, in the store scene, where uh, uh, Roddy Piper has no chill, and he's like, oh, they're everywhere. Um, that's how he talks. Don't worry about it. It's very, no, it's very good. Thank you. Yes. Um, there are at least like six of them. And so, I mean, they could have just got more people to play him them the ghouls how do you know they didn't have a lot of that one guy oh yeah 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 like cloning yeah Ooh, sweet yeah yeah yeah. okay you're right cloning stupid dark science secrets only the sith knew about (laughs) that was for that was from a nerds oh yeah they got it (laughs) yeah they were like shit he's seen that movie from my favorite star wars character dominic monaghan gross <laughs> but yeah um i mean it's a it is an interesting plan that they have in that like one it it implies that there is lots of intelligent life um and it also means that they're basically like uh pyramid pyramid schemers on an international or intergalactic level well so 
the movie really was conceptually a response to or an articulation of Carpenter's feelings about Reaganomics in right. the 80s and about how the whole idea of trickle-down economics is... Um, I'm going to go with naively batshit crazy to think that that could possibly work when human nature exists the way it does. Uh, a lot of people, you know what, not me, certainly, but a lot of people might argue that capitalism itself, as currently designed, is a giant Ponzi scheme. Uh, the aliens, some some would say, not me, certainly, but some would say the aliens are essentially intergalactic capitalists who right. go from planet to planet, strip mining all of their resources, kind of draining it dry, selling it off for spare parts, and then going somewhere else and doing it again. Okay. Yeah. Basically. Now, some people... All right. Not not me, mind you. He's talking about me, guys. <laughs> that It's fine. Just tell them. <laughs> Uh, uh, would 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 say it's a pretty it's a pretty direct parallel and a tragically accurate parallel. Two. Well, some some people mm-hmm. would say not not me certainly. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you're just you're just covering me. I'm in a hole and you're just burying me now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, you, you y'all y'all understand. No, I mean it's yeah. about at like. Late stage capitalism and like to him, the the aliens are a specific group of people and it's not the Jews. Yes. Well, I mean, yes. So um, that kind of we were we talked about a little bit this direct line. He it was a very specific response to Reaganism. He's not a big Reagan fan. Um, Reagan being heralded as one of the greatest Republicans of the modern age, etc. Um and his his concept for Reaganomics was um, essentially uh, less federal taxes, uh, and then more breaks for the for the wealthy. Because the idea of trickle down economics is that if you give the wealthy more money, then they will use that money to start businesses, and those businesses will essentially pay people and create more jobs. And then the more jobs people have, the more they'll buy things, and it'll feed into itself and create this wonderful cycle of consumerism. Yeah, it, um, it sounds really good until you t- factor in human nature, at which point the entire thing becomes naively batshit crazy. Right. Um, so yeah. So the in 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 reality, what happens is that you essentially give more money to the wealthy, and they hoard that wealth. And then they use ways, they use those tax cuts in order to find ways to save the money they're already spending. And and that essentially what trickles down to the lower class is unemployment. Um, and so essentially it uh, is a way of investing in people who already have money and divesting those who don't. Yes. Um, and so in, 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 essence it's flawed without an actual like way of enforcing these rules uh and i think that that's a big that's a big issue when it comes to a lot of these uh naive regulations is uh they have a very nice like concept about them uh so for example and this is a side thing just for an example the idea of the the new ab15 i believe it is or ab something which is the California bill 
for freelancers, mm-hmm. which limits the amount of freelancers, freelance jobs that a company can do or that limits the amount of jobs that a freelancer can do with a single company without them being full time. In essence, it was a concept created to stop uh, companies from taking advantage of freelancers. And it to, was made to encourage them to hire more people full time and give them benefits. But what it did because of, as Lex would say, human nature is it causes the companies to in fact go, well, we'll just fire all our freelancers and we'll just give more work to our full-time people without giving them raises. Um, so like without enforcement or, or, or things in the bill itself to make sure that the companies can't do that, um, it means that it's a pretty floppy law. Yes. Now, I would go a little bit further in as much as I think some of the people who are proposing these policies know exactly what they're doing and know exactly what the actual impact would be. Like who? Like, uh, well... uh, some people might say, "I not not me, certainly no." Uh, you know, like who? Uh, and I do think the same way. Trickle down economics. I think the people who proposed that in the first place knew damn well that that wasn't actually going to work the way they said it was going to work. But it is going to work exactly as intended. Meanwhile, like you were talking about before, uh, we have been encouraged at first by external factors and and increasingly by each other and by ourselves to be placated to have instant gratification to be uh you know some some would say uh you know a quote unquote asleep uh to constantly inundate ourselves with media things that'll sort of you know people would say like turn your brain into mush etc 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 we've become increasingly a culture of narcissists as well so these people keep because of our complacency keep getting to do it because everybody is either actually buying into the stated intention of these policies, for example, which is what I find to be a little naive, or they're, they feel uh, defeated, they feel apathetic, they feel, you know, uh, well, I can't do anything about it, I might as well just watch TV and stuff, uh, which is how it becomes even easier for the people who are pulling all of these strings to throw a boogeyman grenade into this and get us fighting each other. Okay. I mean, I think that like, so, um, Hassan, Hassan Minhaj, uh, of the Patriot Act and formerly of the Daily Show, he did a recent video where he was talking about something in that vein where I I think that it's, it's less that like these things are like melting our brains and we're becoming complacent. I think it's that we have too much access to all of this information, there's all of these different things to care about, and there are all of these people acting in bad faith, and and all of this like rough stuff that's happening all at once that we don't really know how to prioritize, and we have access to all of the information, and we don't necessarily have access to all of the solutions, and so like there's a a choice paralysis, and so I think that like part of it is also that like I I and I I say this not to put any actual like I I hate when when we as a society put a lot of the the pressure on the individual to solve problems like the the 
plastic straw thing and, and not put it where it's supposed to be, which is these companies who are in fact, um, perpetuating the issue. Right. Um, so when I say what I'm about to say, I keep that in mind and that it's that, um, we, we need to self prioritize and, and in that, like put our efforts towards the things that we care about most and then essentially try to make change in that way. Um, cause we can't make change to everything. And, and like right now we have a lot of means that make us, we get that dopamine shot where we feel like we're making a difference, like doing, doing a, throwing some shade at a company. Oh boy, I, I did that. They, they, they're going to feel that sting mm. and it gives us that feeling of accomplishment, accomplishment, but it, uh, doesn't affect change. Right. Um, and so like, it's a lot of like personal refocusing, but it's very hard to do because again, there's so much information. It's all coming at the same time. And there's so many, like it, what feels like a crisis every day, mm-hmm. um, that is a new thing for you to like have to figure out if this is a priority. Um, if this was a company like you, you would never know what needs to get done because there's always something that you have to be working on. Right. So I agree with everything you just said. And I think it ties back into what I was trying to get at. Now, I wouldn't necessarily refer to the effect that social media is having on people as uh, turning our brains to mush, but it is absolutely shaping the way we perceive reality, perceive the world, interact with each other. Right. So like what you were just talking about, part of why we end up with this decision paralysis or we feel so burned out by being inundated with this amount of information, a lot of that is intentional. A lot of it is. Let's just create story after story after story so that we can continue to get away with things and everybody's going to be so distracted by the new thing, right, that we can continue to do what we're doing because everybody's so uh, paralyzed by all of it. But at the same time, I talk a lot about how I feel like we're only just now starting to understand how social media actually works for the most part and how social media is being weaponized against people. You have, I mean, just like, look, look at politics, Twitter, look at Star Wars, Twitter, and you can see how, and this is now, we've we've proven this, a mass number of bot accounts and sock puppet accounts and troll accounts have been working for years to shape the conversation in such a way where we are actually seeing real people, otherwise reasonably intelligent, decent people, their perception of the world around them is actually being altered by these echo chambers. Right. That shit is wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but I uh, I guess the main thing that I, I feel, I know that people are taking advantage of it. It just doesn't, like, I think that I have a hard time thinking that it is as intentional as it feels like it is you know it's more that like as the chaos is happening there are um like people who are prospering from it and i know that like yes there are specific disinforma campaigns um uh and that is boosting an agenda Mm -hmm. um that i think is is a rough thing that we we still haven't gotten to a place uh, in terms of our government and our, our regulations that we can effectively like regulate that stuff because uh, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of our people in like Congress and Senate and all that stuff are of an older generation and they don't necessarily understand how 
the modern technology is influencing us and how it works. And so I think that like I had maybe proposed this some at, on the show or maybe I had talked about it just personally with people that like when when we ha- were having the um, the Kavanaugh hearings, mm-hmm. the Republicans brought in someone who uh, so that they wouldn't feel like they were attacking this woman. They brought in a woman to basically filter their questions through. Right. And I think that like, it would be a good idea to have the same thing, but for technology, someone that like they can state their questions and someone who understands the implications and the the technology itself and how it works and how it's being used negatively. Yes. And can really be an intermediary between let's say Mark Zuckerberg and Congress um, because every time we have these discussions and every time like Mark Zuckerberg is sitting in front of Congress, they're asking about one thing that like really isn't the issue. And he's laughing at them because they don't get it. Right. I am so continually blown away by how much it seems like no one is doing this. No, the government doesn't seem to be doing this. You've got to think privately Some of them know some people that understand how the Internet works, but it seems like big corporations really don't have this in place either. Right. And it's genuinely bizarre to me. Well, it's still so new. Like in the grand scheme of things, social media, like let's Facebook started in like around 2003 to 2004. Um, MySpace was around the same time. Like actually, I think MySpace was 2003, 2004. Um, and then Facebook was closer to 2005. Um, and that's only like what, 15, 16 years. Right. Um, and Facebook didn't become public until maybe like four or five years after that. And then they didn't have as much influence until like maybe four or five years after that. So like, we're still catching up ourselves as, as individuals in terms of like what, the the impact is and so like people who are so far removed from it like you and i have to use social media just to like do brand stuff and to keep up with news and stuff right but like if you're still reading newspapers you don't know like you don't you it's harder to understand that like people will some people get all of their news from twitter or some people um, use that as their main window into the world. Like those, and then also like how data is being used against us. Like those are such foreign concepts that if you're not super savvy and you're not like actively on top of it, like it's all Greek. Well, and so here is how we can trace a direct line from exactly what we're talking about back to they live, right? It's so the idea of subliminal messaging through media, through advertising is as old as media and advertising. People have been talking about how they're they're messing with your mind through the airwaves for forever, as long as there's been TV, right. there's been this narrative. Now, I cannot and will not attempt today to speak to ha- uh, the history of such things being attempted uh, en masse, but look at what we were just discussing about how, say, data can be weaponized against us or how some of these sock puppet accounts are so sophisticated that you think you're talking a to a real person a real well-intentioned person but you think you're having one conversation and really you're having a very different conversation 
and certain prejudices are being reinforced, certain biases, certain habits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's far more elaborate and far more sophisticated, but it is not entirely dissimilar to a billboard that says it's selling you, you know, detergent or whatever it is, and you put on the glasses and it just says obey. Right. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. Going back to this this story, the way that it ends is like they um, they get rid of the signal and all of the everyone who is an alien can now be seen, and it like has kind of a a direct parallel to what's happening now and that like people who have been able to get away with a lot of things because of their wealth or because of their status um, are now being exposed. And now we as a society are able to see the people who are doing uh, wrong in our, like with our own eyes, mm -hmm. we are getting woke as the kids say, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause as they live, we stay asleep as the kids say in this movie specifically. Um, so like, I think that that is also the big piece of it, which is that people who are actively acting in bad faith need to be um, exposed and held accountable. Yes. Um, that's the part that we don't get to see in this movie, which like headcanon, you're like, oh yeah, the moment all the aliens were exposed, people just started murdering them. Right. Um, and then they left because that's what they do. Um, but like that's that's the big piece is we have to be able to start seeing these people for who they are. Right. And, uh, you know, like as much as people loved as and then like these people were very heavily ingrained in our society. Like there's a, a shot where a guy is just hanging out at a bar and his friends are like, oh, shit, he's a ghoul. Yeah. Um, and so like you have to come to terms with the fact that the people that you interact with on a regular basis could also be monsters. Yes. Um, Which is something else that we're, we're seeing people have to contend with of late. Right. So, I mean, and that's the hard part is yes, maybe at some point you liked, let's say Kevin Spacey. Um, and then you found out that Kevin Spacey was a monster. Yes. And, and now Kevin Spacey is not working. He's, he's suffering the consequences of his actions. And it doesn't matter how many videos he comes yeah, he's out a with YouTuber now. as Frank Castle, um, which, again, Netflix, sue his ass. Come on, guys. That's your show. Yeah, Frank Castle's the Punisher. Whatever. Frank, whatever. Uh, uh, shit. Uh, Underwood. There we go. Frank Underwood. Um, he keeps coming out <laughs> as Frank Underwood. <laughs> um, no matter how many videos he does, like, He's still a monster. <laughs> and so like, that's the, the, the thing is like, we have to, like everyone talks about cancel culture. And uh, I also believe that cancel culture isn't real because most people haven't uh, really suffered actual consequences of their actions. Most of the time, the people who suffer the consequences are the people who are trying to take down the people who are doing the bad things, right. which is a conversation in and of itself. Um, but like, accountability is important um and so like be loud like if 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 the people in congress or the people in the senate aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing don't let it happen let your voice be heard um you can do something is was what i'm saying call them let them know what you think. Tell your friends. Let them know what you think. We're still allowed to stage protests in this country for however much longer. I, I think now is maybe the time to exercise that right while we still got it. Right. And, and 
look, you don't have to do everything. This is this is Tari's soapbox corner. Well, and this you, is also you, going back to what you were saying before about how it, the onus is not always specifically and solely on the individual, right? right? But I think what we're describing is less individual action and more collective action. Yes, it's very much collective action. Like a, a collection of individuals is is a powerful force. And so, uh, you know, pick pick what you're you're passionate about. Um, you don't have to be passionate about everything. You just have to find something that speaks to you and fight for it and trust that your fellow people will find their passion for those other things and they'll fight equally as hard for it. So that's, that's like the big takeaway from, from Tari's soapbox corner is that like, look, you're not powerless. You have a voice. Feel free to use it for the things that like really speak to you. Um, and prioritize. Also, self-care is important. So like do that too, because it's a hard time. And if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not able to take care of other people. So do that as well. Yes. Tari's corner is over. Back to poo-poo-doo-doo jokes. <laughs> that was good though. Thanks. I like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what do you have other stuff that you want to say about this movie? A uh, couple things that I just think are fun pieces of trivia. Uh, I believe in 2011, Matt Reeves, who's currently in production on The Batman and also made a couple really dope Planet of the Apes movies, was attached to direct a remake of this movie, which never happened. Okay. I don't know that we. I don't know that you could tell this story more efficiently than they did in They Live. But I guess I. I think Matt Reeves is a great filmmaker. I would have been curious to see what that looked like. Yeah. Uh, also, in this, I found interesting given the subject matter of the movie so john carpenter as we all know uh, directed halloween uh, was a producer and writer on halloween 2 but by halloween 2 already felt real burnt out on what they were doing with the concept yeah halloween 3 which we've talked about on this show john carpenter came back to produce but said let's do something different with it let's try and expand artistically creatively and do a story that doesn't feature Michael Myers, right? which was not super well-received specifically for that reason. So, They Live, the original release date, was moved, I believe, two weeks to avoid box office competition from another movie. That other movie being Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, a movie that had nothing to do with John Carpenter, where the franchise producers decided, okay, well, Michael Myers is all we want to see, so let's churn out another one of these to cash in on that recognizable image. Right. I think that's pretty funny. Yeah. I also had read that it was also moved because it was an election year and they wanted to get this movie out so that people could, wouldn't would uh, be a little more woke before they went to vote. Uh, mm, maybe. Maybe. Oh. Maybe. Okay. You don't think so? I don't, don't know. Think they I feel want like that woke vote. I I feel like when distributors make decisions about when to release movies uh if if that decision is informed by anything political it's usually not something that progressive i mean but it's john carpenter john carpenter could poop in a tissue and be like yo you you want this and they would be like yeah how much you selling it for so like i think he's got some i think he's got some pull he'd be like look bitches this is a satire 
This is because I hate Reagan. Reagan's stupid, and I want everyone to know that Reagan is a big, dumb butt face, and I want them to know right before they go and not vote for him. So, if so facto, George Bush. <laughs> yeah, you're, he's, George, George Bush. he's quoting an actual interview with John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to remember if that was who came after Reagan. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Carter, I believe. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I, it's because of this movie. Uh, yes, it's that's exactly it's yeah. exactly that. I. <laughs> um, the, oh, so one last thing that's really neither here nor there. I just found it funny. One of the interviews on the uh, Shout Factory Blu-ray for this movie, uh, Carpenter is talking about how. To him, aliens need to be scary. He says, uh, Close Encounters, E.T., those aren't valid to me because the aliens aren't scary. Okay. And I, this neither here nor there, but I found that interesting. It amused me. And so now I've shared it with you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I, I don't think that aliens should need to be scary. I think that that... I just think it's an interesting take. Right. I mean, but I think it's weird because like... In my brain, um, like aliens, for the most part, are, uh, they're always an, an allegory for something. They're never just like, I'm an alien, unless, except for an alien. Well, I guess even then they're like phallic allegories. So phallicories, phallicories. Hell yeah. You did it. Lex, you did it. I'm so proud of you. Um, you get one a year. Thank you. Uh. Um, but and like, it's on you that you burn through your one this early in the year. <laughs> I can't control you, but I'm going to get more. Don't worry about it. But, um, but like, I like when aliens aren't scary because it, it is a reminder that like, Hey, just cause something's different doesn't mean that you should be scared of it. Um, cause like, I don't know, as a black man, I'm going to just keep playing this card as a black man. Um, you know, different's not scary, and maybe you shouldn't be scared of it just because it's different. You know, maybe it has darker skin. You ain't gotta enslave it. You ain't gotta. You ain't gotta. Jesus. You ain't gotta separate it. Wow. Because it's not equal. Well, I mean, yeah. look, I, I can't say I disagree with anything you're saying. It's it's it more sounds like you disagree. It's it more, sounds like you want. It's more to what's treat happening right now. Different. Is very jarring. It, it it really sounds like you you uh, you're confronting. Want to treat me differently? You're confronting me with far too much truth <laughs> yeah i mean i'm just saying lex uh maybe maybe just maybe <laughs> aliens should be treated with dignity and respect uh so that's it that's all i had to say well that's good yeah i feel like you. we really accomplished something just now good um all right so actually um Bush was after Reagan. Um, uh, Reagan served from 1981 to 1989. Um, oh, then yeah, it was. Yeah. So then Carter was before. Uh, yeah, Carter was right before. That makes more sense. I'm real glad that we're so up on our presidents, our fairly modern presidential history. I'm real glad that you and I are, are real informed Real yeah. informed citizens. We're doing our due diligence as citizens of this great country. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I think I had it right. I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. 
they they I'm, live. You know what? I'm just going to give it to you. I'm going to say you probably had it right. Thank you. And then I was Thank I you. was uh, second guessing so that I was the voice. Of the, there should always be at least one dissenting voice in any democracy. Um, that's true. Yes. Yeah. Because um, otherwise, democracy dies with a not with a whimper, but with a applause, with an applause. Yep. <laughs> I did it. I made a I made a Star Wars reference. <laughs> I made a Star Wars joke. Uh, almost. Yeah. No, I get it. I did it. It was right. Don't worry about it. Um, all right. So uh I think it's about time to start wrapping this baby up. Um so Lex, thank you for bringing this in. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, it was so good. It will they live inside of my heart. <laughs> there's a there's also a joke in there somewhere i'm not going to dig this deep for it but uh-huh. something about because there's glasses magic glasses and it's 2020 now some about 2020 vision but i'll let oh, i'll let yes. you guys work on that at home that way like you have an activity like there's added Ooh, value yeah, here yeah. like you actually have an activity you can go do after you finish uh, listening to this episode go do the work to write that joke you know what's funny is i wrote that joke like when you first told me about this and I was like, yeah, I'm going to like, I was originally going to just say it to you. Right. And then I was like, I'll save it for the show. Completely forgot it. Right. Well, cause you realize, I mean, maybe you realize as I did that there's the idea for the joke, which is right there. And then there's actually coming up with a version of that joke that is worth working beyond the premise of the joke. No, mine was gold. Whatever it was at the time. Gold. Why didn't you write it down? Um, cause I don't write things down. I'm renowned to not write things down. I can see your notes from here. Oh, this is just a literal recap of things that happened in the movie. <laughs> when I have ideas, I keep them in my brain until they die. Oh shit. Yeah. Um, I just smother them with other ideas. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to this. Uh, welcome back. We are glad to be back. It's a new year. Um, same you, but growth will occur. Um, what? <laughs> 2020, same you, but growth. Yes. It's not new year, new you, cause you're the same person. You just gotta be a, the best version of you for the year. So keep growing, baby. You know, they say hindsight's 2020. So take a look back and figure out where you need to grow and then figure out where your priorities are. And once you do that, you know, let your voice be heard. Bam. We tied it all together. Nicely done. Thank you. Um, and if you'd like to continue this conversation, you can do so on our Twitter, which is Missing Outcast in my S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. But if you just want to talk to Lex, you can do so on his Twitter. It is at the Lex Michael. That's also where I'm at on Instagram. Ooh, you can also catch me at Tari J T U R I J A Y. I'm on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram, but I don't post unless I'm on vacation. So, thank you again for joining us. We're glad to be in the new year. Uh, and until we talk to you next week, this has been the retrospective that's introspective. And now you have a new perspective. So open them eyes and stay woke, baby! Or start eating that trash can. Hell yeah!